Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 2 through 12. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's great to be with you. My name is Ray Keen, and I serve as the executive director at the Canby Center. I love that song we were just singing. Anyone who has two shirts should share. That's what we do at the Canby Center. Anyone who has food should do the same. That's what we do at the Canby Center. It is a tremendous blessing to serve all people who come through our doors. You know, we don't try to look for people who shouldn't be there. Everyone who comes through our doors, every person that God brings to us is a person that he's called us to serve and to love on. And that's the commitment of my life. It's what God has called me to do. And I love that I get to do that. There is truly blessing in that as I serve other people. It is wonderful to be able to do. As you might imagine, life at the Canby Center has looked a little different in recent months. Uh, In February, we were serving about 200 food boxes, a little over. And by May, uh, the number of food boxes grew to over 1,100. In June, they came back down a little bit to about 900. I think July has been about 800. But we are still, you know, at this place of incredible change. Uh, The food provision that we normally would do is no longer done inside. It's done outside through a drive-up food pantry. All kinds of uh, changes have needed to take place with regard to sanitizing food carts and processing the food in different ways. We purchased our first forklift and pallet jack so that we can move the massive amounts of food that have been coming to us to be able to share with people who are in need in the community. For some in our community at this time, losing their jobs has meant that there's a real uh, degree of instability in their family. And so we want to be there for them and help out. At this point in our year, we are at about 250,000 pounds of food that's come through the doors. And if I can recall here, last year we saw 283,000 pounds of food for the entire year. So we are already at that place of pushing over about double where we were last year, and the year's not over. So... It's exciting to see the community come together and rally to support people who are in need. And there's so many ways you can do that. Uh, I just want to cover one way today. If you feel safe and comfortable coming out and using your muscles a little bit to help other people, you can volunteer at the Canby Center about six days a week. Right now we're doing our food pantries on Tuesday mornings and on Saturday morning. 
We always have clothing to process, and we're getting that out to families uh, four days a week, Monday through Thursday. There's lots of different ways to be involved with helping clean things up or prep food boxes. And if that's something you think you'd like to be a part of, the easiest way to do that is to just go onto our website at thecanbycenter.org and you can register for a particular time slot for a particular job. They're all there right on the calendar. You can just pick the one that you'd like and then show up on that day at that time and we'll get you trained up and ready to go. Bethany Church has been such an amazing partner through the years with the Canby Center and I am grateful for that. It has been tremendous to have your help both financially and through volunteerism and through leadership in various capacities. I just have to let you know how grateful we are for that partnership with you. Thank you for being a part of that. It means that at times like this where the community is going through a really tough season, there is an expression of Christ's love that's going out into the community from all the churches in Canby as the body of Christ. And it, I just have to tell you, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. We get to stop in our day and pray with people who are hurting, and that is a gift. It's a gift to be able to do that, and in a way, that's because of what you're doing through your generosity and through your service. So thank you for letting me share today a little bit about that. I want to uh, just take a moment and pray for our message this morning as we talk about the blessing that is there for people who are meek. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We're thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful for the sunshine and for the blessings that we enjoy. Lord, I'm thankful that this church has not only cared for itself, but it has cared for the community for many, many years. I thank you for each one who has been a part of serving, each one who has been a part of giving, each one who has been a part of praying. God, I pray that you would bless them, strengthen them, help them to continue to look for ways that they can serve the least of these. I pray today that you would help us to understand from your word what you have for us. Don't let us miss it, Lord. It's too important. Don't let anyone who can hear my words today go without receiving from your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. You've been in this series on the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does this mean, blessed are the meek? You know, people have been asking that question for thousands of years, and I'm confident that when Jesus first preached this message, that there was probably a guy in the back who was chewing on sunflower seeds going, Blessed are the meek? Like, are you serious? Isn't this supposed to be a prophet or something? Like somebody who knows what he's talking about? Blessing for people who are poor in spirit, who are mourning, who are meek? How can that be? Cursed are the meek. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are the bold and assertive, right? Who is this guy? So if that's your approach to it and you're wrestling with what it means, I hope today you come away with understanding. Jesus has that for us here today in the passage we're in. The Old Testament is full of the idea, the theme of blessing and cursing. Do you remember that? Deuteronomy chapter 28. 
blessings for obedience to God's commands and cursing for disobedience. You'll be blessed when you do these things, blessed when you go out, blessed when you come in. But if you disobey, you'll be cursed as you go out and cursed as you come in. There's clear description of what it looks like to find blessing in God, and it was connected with obedience. And to the Jews who knew this pattern of blessing and cursing very well, it was to those people that Jesus is now teaching, and he says, blessed are the meek. It's to those people that he's preaching good news. Good news to trust God and be saved. Imagine how they must have received his words. You know, sometimes when a preacher comes up, he has uh, three points in a poem. Well, in Jesus' sermon here, he starts with a poem. If you open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5 to our passage, you'll see that our passage really is laid out in such a way in your Bibles that looks like poetry. That's because it is a poem. In fact, it's pulled from the Old Testament. There's poetry here. Uh, poetry in the way that the words are arranged on the page. So when you think about it, there's a rhyme and a rhythm to them. There's this blessing part. And then there's a description of what that blessing is. There's a blessing part, a description of who it's for, and then the description of uh, what the blessing is. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. There's a pattern to it, and it is poetry. I mentioned just a second ago that this is uh, drawn from a section of poetry actually in the Old Testament. Psalm 37 touches on these themes in an amazing, amazing way. These words of Jesus that we're reading on the page that we often think are attributed directly to him actually are drawn from King David. King David in Psalm 37 writes in verse 11, but the meek will inherit the land. The meek will inherit the land. Very similar to what we read here. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The word there in Psalm 37, 11 for land is eretz in the Hebrew. It's the very same word that we find in the beginning. God created the heavens and the eretz, the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land, the earth. This idea of pulling from Psalm 37, when we look at it, the themes that come out of Psalm 37 are these, righteous, meek, patient, hopeful, generous, peacemakers, just, persecuted, blameless, upright. And all the way through Psalm 37, he sprinkles in teaching about the wicked. Now in Jesus' sermon, he doesn't talk first and foremost about the wicked he talks about the righteous he gives us a picture of what the righteous looked like and he says here are those who are blessed and he tells us all about them he starts with the positive news in the sermon on the mount i mentioned that jesus is building his sermon off of david's david's psalm was a piece of art you'd find it hanging on a gallery in jerusalem his rhyming of ideas and his use of the Hebrew alphabet as he goes through. He uses the Hebrew alphabet to begin each line in Psalm 37. 
as he goes through alphabetically. And David's psalm concludes with these words, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord, pointing to the person of Jesus Christ who is now preaching to people through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' sermon, however, is compared to David's, the Mona Lisa. It's on display at the Louvre. It's perfect in form and purpose of drawing us to himself, the savior of the world, the mediator between God and mankind. It is in the Beatitudes that Jesus teaches us about the character of God and the characteristics of God's people. These are the characteristics of God's children who have been touched by his saving grace. It's a beautiful portrait. So, I believe these verses in the Beatitudes that we've been in and that we're going to stay in for a little bit are to be read and understood together. Have you read great poetry? When you read amazing poetry, it it just comes to life, not because of a single word or a single line, but because of the whole of it. It's in the whole of it movement of it, that it touches you in an emotional way that oftentimes a single word doesn't. And so as we look at these verses and we think about the Beatitudes and we're going through them piece by piece, I want to remind you and encourage you to keep in mind the whole picture. He's painting the picture of the blessedness that is there for those who are children of God. What does it look like to be in right relationship with God. He's giving us that picture on an emotive level, on an emotional heart level. The poor in spirit who mourn, who are meek, who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, those people are merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers who experience persecution and are blessed because these people have hope in God hope in his home of heaven, and hope here on our earth. In the same way that the Beatitudes talk about those kind of as a whole package, the fruit of the Spirit does the same thing. Think about that as a whole package for just a moment. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Try picking one of those out and working on it in isolation. I'm just going to work on patience without trying to understand what it means to love. Or, I, you know, I'm just going to get better at self-control without really working through gentleness. They are connected. They're a whole package. They're a whole picture of what God's character is like. And it is what he has for us as a whole package for the life of the believer. These blessings in the Beatitudes are exactly the same Thing. They are the whole package. So blessed are the meek. I want to read from Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is about in the middle of your Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. I mentioned that Jesus uh, is pulling from Psalm 37 in the Beatitudes. And so I want to just read through some of this and then we will at times jump over to the Beatitudes and just kind of see where their connections are made, okay? Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men or be anxious or envious of those who do wrong, 
For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There is this sense of blessedness about the one who delights in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. There's this idea of waiting patiently in the Beatitudes. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. The natural response to those who persecute us is anger. But here's this picture of uh, what it looks like to receive persecution. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. There's a theme coming out here about the land. In a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. There is a day coming for the wicked. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of the many, for the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, for their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those who the Lord blesses will inherit the land. It's this idea of blessing. But those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumbles, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake the faithful ones. They will be protected, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord. And keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. There's this hope. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I've seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. I believe Jesus is pulling his themes for these Beatitudes from Psalm 37. Now, as we just read that, you'll understand it is not word for word. In fact, the reason I call it out is because the verse that's closest in alignment is the one we're in today. Blessed are the meek. Jesus does quote that almost exactly word for word from Psalm 37. The themes that come out through Psalm 37 are important as a foundation for us to understand what it means to be meek. The view that we have of the righteous, those who are pure in heart, those who are peace-loving, those who are patient and wait for the Lord, those who put their trust in him. That is exactly what Jesus is describing about the blessed people in the Beatitudes. And it is the description of the children of God. It is those elements that are markers for us of God's saving work that he does in our lives. And so it's good for us to consider what he has for us through these verses. You know, in my work of service at the Canby Center, I'm frequently reminded of God's blessings in my life in so many different ways. And sometimes it can be a little overwhelming because my life doesn't look like uh, perhaps the person who just walked through the door, the single mom who has her kids in the car, who's been living out of it for a while, who came in asking for food. I cannot fully understand or relate to what that life might be like for her. I struggle in that. But at the same time, there is a picture for me of that in my own relationship with God. Because the fact is that I come before God as one who is broken and needy of his provision. And not just one time in a moment of salvation, but really truly over a lifetime. I struggle in various ways to orient myself to God in the right way. Maybe you're in that place today. But when I do find a way to orient myself, to remind myself of the blessings I've enjoyed in spite of the absolute violence of my sin against God, when I think about his patience and the way he is slow to anger with me, I can more easily be patient with people that I disagree with. When I think about the needs that I carry with me ongoing, and I see God's provision in a thousand ways in my life and various blessings, it's easier for me to be generous and merciful toward the people who come through the front door of the Canby Center. When I think about the times when I have railed against God with my words, it's easier for me to be slow to respond to a tweet or a post on Facebook about something I fully disagree with. These blessings, these pictures of blessing are truly the things that God brings to the children that he loves. He wants his character to be manifested in us. And that's why Jesus is teaching about it. Not in such a way that we would try to stretch for them or try to attain them, that we all ought to be just more meek. This isn't a to-do list. 
but in the sense that as I come into relationship with him and learn from him, I'm changed. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Those are the words of Jesus to the weary, to the Jews who were carrying the burden of the law, and to us today who might be prone to thinking about the Beatitudes as a checklist or to-do list. Jesus says, come to me, learn from me. I carry these attributes of meekness, gentleness, humble in heart. Jesus wasn't born to the wealthy elite. He was born into a poor family. He chose a ragtag band of obscure disciples, sinners. We must not think about meekness as being somehow synonymous with weakness, although it sounds the same. They are not the same. Jesus was meek in his approach. He came as a gentle, humble servant, a lamb of God to take on the sin of the world. But that meekness was in no way weakness. He is the creator of the universe. He has brought transformation into the lives of millions of people. He went to the cross and carried the sin of the world on his shoulders. That is not weakness. And when he needed to stand up to pride, he did it directly and brought about the truth. That is not weakness. Meekness, by contrast, means really to understand who I am in relationship to God and to others. And to not think of myself more highly than I ought. It's what we read about in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Paul and Timothy write about this very clearly in chapter 2 says in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is a picture of meekness. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is qualified to teach us about this because he has lived it out. The way for us to learn about what meekness looks like is through relationship with him. And that is not a one-time occurrence. It is a daily experience. When you are feeling that anxiety and stress and overwhelm of what's happening during COVID-19 and you're angry with people, sometimes in your own family like I am, it is good to take a moment and pull away and ask the Lord to meet you in that moment and to teach you, to teach me how I'm to live, how I'm to respond. I know none of you have this problem, but sometimes I assert my own rights. 
Sometimes I do look after my own interests instead of the interests of other people. I think I find that I especially do that when I find myself in this state. I'm hungry, I'm angry, I'm lonely, or I'm tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Halt. It's an easy way to remember that when you're feeling that way, maybe as you finish out your day, there's something going on for you where you start to feel angry. It's a good reminder to stop, halt, take a minute to pray and ask God to instruct you, to teach you in the way that you should go. He's being very clear here what it looks like for the children of God to walk in relationship and in fellowship with him. It is a life of meekness. And there's power in that. There was power in that for Jesus, and there is for us as well. So if you're feeling hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, halt, stop, take time to process, take a walk, take a few minutes to breathe, maybe go and take a few minutes to eat a meal. I don't know about you, but there are days when I go through my day now, and it's 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock before I realize I didn't eat lunch. I wasn't hungry. I feel kind of down about what's happening in the world. It's a struggle for everybody. Just sort of don't even feel like eating sometimes. I think that's really normal right now. But take the time you need to take care of yourself so that you can love the people around you. So these days that we're in are filled with unlimited opportunities for anger. You see it on the news. Sometimes you hear about it or see it in our community. People who are being assertive or dominant in their relationships. People who want to argue about the police or racism or violence or government overreach. All you have to do is reach into your pocket and pull out your cell phone. And you've got instant access to the anger and violence and hate that's filling our world today. There's loss and grief. Any, any number of things that uh, would kind of weigh you down. The beautiful picture we have in Jesus Christ is that he didn't avoid that world. He didn't walk around it and pretend like it didn't exist. He walked right through the middle of it. But he chose a life of love. He chose a life of meekness. Chose a life of right orientation to God. He knew who he was, and he knew who he was to the people around him. When I get out of whack about my place, usually in relationship to other people, God has a way of reminding me of the blessings that he's poured out on me, the times he's been merciful to me, the times I've experienced his grace and provision and healing all I need to do is breathe in a little bit of that air to realize that that is the person he calls me to be to the people around me who are angry and hurting and maybe even being violent to others. So if the people who claim faith in Christ in our community, in our country, in this world, if the people who say, I believe in Jesus, if their character were aligned with his character to the degree being described in these beatitudes i think our world would look quite different right now It'd be tremendously different 
I think that Christ is inviting us to learn from him. That's what these Beatitudes are about. In the whole, it is really him saying, this looks completely different than everything you know. That's why the guy in the back didn't get it initially. It looks so different from the world around us that it's almost unfathomable to try and grasp and understand in our own capacity. I think, actually, we need the Holy Spirit to walk us through and guide us in that on a daily basis, on a recurring basis. And you have and I have moments of opportunity that abound in this season to walk out in meekness. Let me encourage you to ask the Lord for strength in doing that. To do that, we must come to him in relationship. We must be real about the truth with regard to our sin and our struggle and the way we want to respond. This is an ongoing, daily, loving, and learning relationship. There's no other way. There is no other Christianity. That is the Christianity Jesus is describing to us in the Beatitudes, and it is what he has for you today if you will receive that from him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you don't leave us to ourselves to check off a list or try to get things right on our own. You walk with us. You have given us your Holy Spirit that we are not on our own. We have a comforter. We have a counselor. We have one who guides us and instructs us in the way. And we have the model of Jesus Christ, your son, who has walked this out and lived this out. And we have relationship with Christ who is ready to help us when we feel the anger rising or we're struggling with a comment we want to make or when we're just feeling down and out you meet with us we're thankful for that this world doesn't look the way that it ought we know that and we pray that you'd help us to live out these kingdom characteristics by the work of your spirit in us by reminding us lord of the grace the mercy the blessing you've poured out and we will give you thanks in Christ's name, amen.